Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Kaiser, Bender, and Baum podcast. I am the Baum in Kaiser, Bender, and Baum, and with me, as they always are, George Ann Bender and Rich Kaiser. Hey, guys. Hey, how are you doing? It's great to be here again. Welcome to week 30-something of this whole ordeal. I don't know. The days, the weeks, does it matter? It is a day. It is a week. It is actually Tuesday, April 21st, 2020. Um, I believe this is week 39, just because someone mentioned it to me the other day, and that's the only reason why I know that. Um, And what's going on right now in the world? It's just, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of talk of reopening the country. Um, Some states more willing to do that than others. Um, Georgia and Tennessee seem really anxious to get back in it, talking about opening up movie theaters and uh, places to get your hair cut, um, things like that that are obviously essential and should be opening right now. Yeah, movie theaters essential, you're right. Totally, right? Um, You uh, You know what's big right now? Big is the fact that on the 17th, Rich and I had our 30th anniversary of our very first Retail Adventures seminar. And when we started our partnership at 16 at 16 when you were 16 years old yeah yeah. Yeah. well happy anniversary happy birthday to kaiser and bender that's pretty crazy 30 years no big deal we're gonna have a big party in our haunted farmhouse and yeah we had all the invitations ready to go out in the band the dancers i mean it's gonna be big Big. it's gonna be huge hollywood production so with us today we have another thing to celebrate. We have our friend Matt Korn joining us today. Now, Matt is the a digital marketing manager for the Walt Disney Company. He's got over seven years of experience working with the largest themed entertainment brands in the U.S. In his career, he's helped build organic and paid social media strategies from the ground up, supported multi-million dollar product launches, and developed marketing concepts that have disrupted the market. Hi, Matt. Well, hello there, Georgian. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Uh, congratulations on 30 years. That is huge. You know what? I, I got to Jason, I don't know if you know this, but I want to tell our listeners this. So Matt works for Disney now, but we met him when he worked for Universal. And when he worked for Universal Studios, he was the person in charge of the annual pass holder group on facebook and rich and i have been annual pass holders i think almost since the place is open because we're you know still 12. but it was it was an amazing because you had something like sixty-five thousand or seventy thousand or more people who knew your face and knew your name we used to call it corn stalking to find matt in the park and get a picture taken with him I remember the first time that I met you in person, Rich and I were walking, you were doing an event at the, at the movie theater and Rich and I were walking by and I went, oh, there's my cord. She had a picture. And every time we were at Universal, I got a copy of it. And she goes, just keep your eyes out. We want to talk to him, you know. <laughs> he knew everything, and he knew everybody and he still do. Well, what I re- feel like? I'm sorry? What does that feel like to know that every person, every other person in the park knew who you were? You know, I really didn't think that much of it. I, I, I really enjoyed what I did. Uh, I enjoy, you know, people who get into the themed entertainment industry, if, if you're not in it uh, for those relationships, then you, you don't last long. Um, it's, it's all about making somebody's day, uh, really making magic for, for a group of people. Uh, and I, I really took that seriously and yeah, it just, I, I had a ton of fun. I remember the day I I met you two, like it was yesterday. I, the movie was the, the mummy. Um, I had so much fun sitting and talking with you guys. Uh, and you know, years later, the fact that we can, that can sit on a call together and chat like it was it was just yesterday is is fantastic it's kind of a, a testament to the uh, the magic that this place is bringing georgian wasn't dressed up when you met her was she uh, in her best park attire <laughs> they make fun of me because i enjoy wearing my house robe no it was a thousand degree day and i had my hair completely slicked back and i had on a t-shirt and a pair of shorts and looked like i looked like rich <laughs> <laughs> you looked great 
You've never looked better. So anyway, I wanted to introduce you and let you know how we met Matt. And Matt, I have to tell you what, people still talk about you on that group. Oh yeah. You are a legend. It's, it, it's definitely, it's an honor. It was an honor to be able to be a part of it for as long as I was and to, to do the things that we did. And now there's, there's another group that's taken on the mantle and, and they're doing great things and we've all learned and grown and on to the next thing. On to the next thing. So on to the next thing, Jason. I, there's so much happening right now. Now you said that, that we've been in the house for 39 weeks. It feels like forever. Feels like forever. Um, I mean, a lot of things going on in retail right now. Um, I know that one of the things that we've been seeing is that many states and cities, and I think we mentioned this last week, it was starting to roll out. Now it's more and more are requiring customers to wear masks while shopping. Um, that was the CDC recommendation. Um, some grocers, uh, family-owned chains, things like that, are actually taking customers' temperatures when they walk in. Georgianne, you probably know a little bit more about that than I do. You know, I actually went to a grocery store last week, and I didn't see people practicing social distancing. I didn't see, and I think maybe it's because we're so used to walking up to people that we don't really think about it. I mean, the people worked in the store, we're not wearing masks. Um, right now, grocery workers, rightfully so, are not happy with what's going on with, with customers in the stores. Um, a group of independent Target employees have called for a mass sick out for what they're calling atrocious behavior from shoppers who don't respect space and who are shopping out of boredom. Now, people who work at Target stores average 11 bucks an hour, and they want, they want to be known as, we're not heroes, we're hostages. The grocers union has gotten involved. Um, they're calling for law enforcement or security to step in, and some have, some grocery stores are now starting to move to only online ordering and um, contactless curbside pickup. I mean, we don't, you don't think about that. I mean, I, we think about it, but I think the average person doesn't think about a person who's actually working in a store on the front lines every day bring up your groceries. Yeah, I have a few friends, maybe not in grocery, but in, uh, f in the pharmacies and similar, similar deal, um, you know, at a Walgreens or, or a CVS and people are still casually going into the store shopping, not utilizing drive-throughs. I don't really understand it personally. Um, you know, dealing with what we're dealing with, I guess, you know, America is a free country and people want to feel free. Maybe that's the reason or they're just not scared and that's their prerogative, but I don't want to get someone else sick if I feel that way. So to just put on a pair of gloves and a mask, I don't really think is a, is a big deal, but the $11 an hour minimum wage that, that people are getting paid, we're just kind of talking about it um, the other week. The stimulus is actually making it, you, you might get paid higher if you're out on unemployment from these places and getting the stimulus than you are if you're currently employed, which is a disgrace right now. Well, your governor, um, well, you're not your governor, the, the New York governor, Jason, wants- He's my governor. He's your governor? He's, a, he's everybody's governor. My go everybody's governor. He wants hazard pay and a 50% bonus for all essential workers. Not a bad idea. What's it like shopping on the, on the West Coast, Matt? Yeah, so it's it's really, Georgian, it's really interesting to hear you kind of talk about what middle America's experience is like because it's it's vastly different than what it is out here in, in LA. Um, you know, like Andrew Como and and New York, uh, Governor Newsom out here and the like Mayor Eric Arcetti from LA, we're taking it incredibly seriously. We've been uh, more proactive than reactive in the situation. So uh, you see big lines, uh, like I'm talking theme park long lines outside of, uh, outside of, uh, sorry, grocery stores, because they're limiting the amount of people that can go inside. You have uh, aisles that are marked as one way. Uh, you're not admitted in unless you're wearing a mask. They have people sitting there that are sanitizing carts and, and uh, baskets as you walk in. 
it's it's really really interesting um to see the the steps that have been taken for this but uh you know it's it's one of those things where health has got to come first uh it's proven that this thing has been just terrible and spreads quickly so to uh to see the the local government and the state government act in the way that they have i mean yes it's an inconvenience uh but it's it's comforting to know that when you're looking at flattening the curve and and how states are doing in in terms of beating this uh california is one of the uh one of the states that are constantly brought up yeah right so some states are you know as jason just mentioned they're they're allowing stores to reopen south carolina allowed department stores, sporting goods stores, and flea markets to open there, and they were just ordered to close two weeks ago. They can be open at 20% capacity. In Georgia, they're going to allow, um, on Friday, bowling alleys, gyms, fitness centers, hair massage. Tennessee has a stay-at-home order, but they're going to be allowed to open businesses in 89 counties on May 1st. Starbucks has said that they have a, a plan in place to allow their stores to reopen and they have a um the decision is going to be made with a on a dashboard that comes from state and government information and even store managers and district managers will be allowed to be part of the decision as to whether or not their stores reopen and you guys that to me that seems really reckless chicago has not even hit its peak yet Am I nuts or is it reckless? No, it's reckless. I don't know. Rich, Rich, what do you think? Well, you know, I think that it's irresponsible that I, I've been reading around in the Illinois area now uh, that stores, it, it store, some of the store people are saying that they're pushed to, to get the store open, pushed to get the store open. And it always kind of, I've always kind of challenged people um, when they open a store, what made you do that and why did you do it right now? There are not good answers. I mean, we, you know what the answers are is to say, well, we think it's getting better or whatever the case. It's a lightening of responsibility off their shoulders. I think that's a dangerous place to be, but that's what's happening. The other thing that's what's, what is happening and, and, and like it or not, and this is going to be a really unpopular thing that I'm going to say, uh, but in a retail environment where you have responsibility and authority given to district managers, I'm telling you right now that those guys ought to be mandated to have to work, guys and gals, mandated to work into the stores. And then they'll take the decisions a little bit more seriously because they're going in and saying to the stores, you like it or not, you're going to open this store. That's the way it is. And if you don't, you know, there's the door. Managers say, okay, then I guess we're going to have to do it. And the district manager, that level can walk away. So I think if you want a real serious, responsible answer to when do we open these stores, Talk to the people that don't want to put their back on the line, so to speak, and and then find out. And listen, listen to the people that are inside the store. Because see, your conversation for the last five minutes about how it's not safe and how you're, it's because you're experienced in it, see. And mm -hmm. so I think that, you know, decisions to open the store really, really in my book should lay in the store. So, so let me ask you guys a question. Retail business. Because I've been wondering this, and I've been hearing a lot about both sides. And yeah, maybe my experience and Matt's experience being in, in the city. I mean, you guys are, are in Chicago. So that, that's a, obviously, it's been impacted a little different than New York and LA was initially. But now it's a potential hotspot. So gosh, I hope you don't go through the same thing that we did here. Um, We're in little towns. Yeah, but I mean, even still. Um, you know... I have a question because what I keep hearing is that there's a lot that the people who are fearful, they're not, they're the ones who are pushing to not open and the people who aren't afraid are pushing to open. I have a counter to that. I believe it's the actual opposite. I believe that there's the potential people who are worried about their bank account. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, but they're making their decision on, on, whether or not they reopen based on their pocketbook and not whether or not it's safe. And in the long run, 
isn't that going to hurt them more? Because if we do reopen too early and the cases go up and we're in the same position of we have to shut down again, isn't that worse? I would say it is. Uh, you know, I, we all deal with that, though. If we're in a, in a point of responsibility in the retail industry or anything, really. You open your store and, you know, the sixth customer comes in, dies, that's a problem. Like, you got to err on the side of caution and what scientists and doctors tell us. What does social media say? I mean, that's always really interesting that I, I wonder, you know, what kind of messages are on, on the whole are really being pumped up by generally the public. George, you have your hand up. Well, one of the, um, third grade, <laughs> one of the uh, things that we've been talking about on our podcast and also on our, our blog and our webinars is how retailers who maybe in our case, Matt, a lot of our customers and people that we work with are smaller independent retailers, or they might be chains, but they're independents. And they typically don't sell a lot online. But now in the last 39 weeks, they've had to they've had to pivot and figure out how to sell online and on social media. And that's your area of expertise. You know, what kind of what kind of advice would you give to people who are, you know, they own their business, they're hanging on, they're trying to take care of their customers, they're trying to make money in an area that they're not really familiar with? Yeah, that's uh it's kind of scary that in, in this day and age, even before the pandemic, uh, that small businesses aren't taking advantage of the, the new style of commerce. If, if you don't have a social media presence, you are so behind uh, where, where you should be. So I think that is ultimately, you know, first and foremost, if you don't have a presence, you're already in trouble, get one. Uh, and then speak to somebody, whether it is a, a, a trusted colleague, a, a professional, a, a family friend that knows the, knows the business, uh, to get you brought up to speed, because you need to be brought up to speed. Um, I think right now, a lot, of, a lot of small businesses are really confused on what their role is here. And I've seen really good examples, and I've seen really bad examples. Um, you know, a lot of folks think that, oh, well, it's, it's a crisis. We need to go dark because all big brands go dark. Right. You know, if there's a, a school shooting or something that happens in the area where it just doesn't make sense to go out with messaging for a day or two, that makes sense. To Jason's point, we're on week 39 of this. You, yeah. you have to have a strategy. So, so what do you do? Well, you know, you're part of a community. If you're a small business, you're, you're not some massive conglomerate that has to worry about what, uh, what messages you're, you're going out with on the West Coast versus the East Coast and internationally. It's what is the message that you're giving to the town that you live in, that you have friends and family in. And it's just, it's approaching communication with uh, sympathy, understanding, and uh, a helping hand. Letting them know that you are there, that, you know, yeah, you're there to be a business, but you are in the business right now of helping them and, and, and being a server rather than trying to serve. That's a good point. Some of the larger retailers are bombarding. Um, one of the things that, that Rich and I do, and this is a good idea to anybody who's listening, if you're a retailer, if you're in business, we get an email account that has nothing to do with us. You, I mean, you don't know who it is. And we sign up for everybody's email blast on the planet. So every day we can scroll through and see what has come through that afternoon, the next day, in the last 10 minutes. And the larger companies are still sending out 50% off, 60% off, 60% off this plus another 10%. That's been their bombardment message. Some of the little guys are either showing themselves crafting or showing insides of their stores or they're, you know, they're showing, they're showing goods together, but there's not really anything that's, we're not seeing in, in any smaller retailer a consistent message, which that's important right now, right? I think, I think, to, a de I think to a degree. I think small businesses, 
you get away with having that flexibility to to pivot and and kind of go off script and, and not have a, a huge uh, negative impact to to your business. It said, you know, yeah, you're you're right in that you shouldn't be crafting the message of the day on the day. You should have an idea of of what you're going to say in a week and try to make sure that it flows uh, from one message to the other without it being just so jarring and so disruptive that, that you lose your audience. When you're planning, we do that too. We auto, you know, we auto plan our content when it's going to come out. But when you're doing that, how often do you go back and revisit it to make sure that something in the world hasn't happened that makes that content insensitive or just not applicable anymore. Yeah. So when I was at Universal, it was a lot harder because we were working six months out and we were crafting messages that were all over the place. Pop culture references, uh, you know, talking about kids and rides and, and everything. So we had to be astutely attuned to what was going on in the world because if there was a if if there was a, a shooting, a school shooting, or if a movie star that we were going to reference came out with a scandal, or there was a an issue with a ride, we needed to be aware of that so we could pull that messaging down. Uh, in my role now, I'm I'm fortunate that most of the messaging that I go out with is is product specific messaging. So the only thing that I've really had to be cognizant of is when the parks closed, I made the conscious decision to go to my leadership team and say, hey, listen, we showcase a lot of park-centric stuff on our webpage. Uh, I don't think it's appropriate to talk about something that a consumer can look at it and go, oh, that's a parks item. Well, the parks are closed right now, so why, why are we talking about that? So we're actively trying to avoid that right now. But That's no. a huge point. I, I mean, you know, Matt, I'm listening intently to you and taking notes, but you know, the huge point is, and George, I'm going to kind of direct this to you for a second, is that what he, it, in, in my terms, if I had to say what he just said, he said, don't tell people what you're going to have and how you can do it because you can't do it now. But, you know, talk to them about current things that you're capable of either delivering or that you'll have in the future that they'll really enjoy. But that's, that's yeah, Matt, thanks, because that's one of the things that we've wrestled with now for probably two to three weeks seriously is saying, what do we do, all these smaller retailers, what do we do that's right today that is agreeable to the consumer? Because you know what? I got to tell you something. This morning, I was on the phone with three different people. They were all mad. And they were mad about the fact that retailers don't seem to have the uh, the sympathy that, you know, you could get sick if you come out and come into our store and you might make us sick too. It's not a good situation to talk about. But that's why you open. Uh, so well, you're talking about show product show product together, show how it can be used, product that you can buy online or from your social media site instead of taking me into the store and saying, look how great it is. I really wish you could be here. So the dream, but if you can't fulfill that dream, be very careful how you talk about it because, you know, you, you get some negative in the, in the customer's mind. I mean, I kind of, that's what I'm taking away from what you just said, Matt. So I, oh, yeah. No, that's right, because I mean, he's saying, look at all this beautiful stuff we have over here. Yeah, but the, the park's over there. I know the park's over there. But look at the beautiful stuff we have here. Everybody knows this place is locked up. Well, how often do you recommend that a retailer post on social media? Ooh, oof. are we talking organic or are we talking paid? You can go into both. Okay, well, paid, it really doesn't matter because you're giving Facebook and Twitter their money and, and their their API and their system is going to make sure that your message gets seen. Uh, organic is is a little bit of a different story. I, I struggle with it because on the park side of things, we've proven that if you post more than three times uh, a week on Facebook, the system is going to ding you. 
and it's going to cut down your your organic reach. Uh, so three times three times is is the max. Anything after that, you risk cutting into your organic reach. Um, what's difficult? So if you post four times a week, Facebook elects not to show your posts to as many people. So I can't say that for a fact because uh, Facebook would never admit that. But we've run we've run uh, volume tests and frequency tests on different uh, different posts, different weeks to try to find that sweet spot. And we've learned that we can get the same amount of accumulated reach on three posts than we can four or five. And it, when even we're talking six and seven, uh, it's potentially less than. Just to no. clarify that, is that with people who are just that's like the average person who engages with you, not with the people who engage with your posts on a frequent basis? Because if, if you engage with, with the company on a frequent basis, don't, doesn't that show up in their feed more often? So it does, yes. And we, it's, it's difficult from an organic, uh, organic side to separate the two. You can do that with paid. Um, your, your post engagers in the last 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, what have you. Um, but you can't, you can't separate that audience on the organic to, to run that kind of study. You know, I've noticed on Instagram, I've been, when I post less, because mm -hmm. we used to post a lot of pictures, but we don't have anything to post right now because we're not together and we're not going anywhere. And, and our entire, you know, our entire business model is we speak at trade shows and now there aren't any trade shows. So mm -hmm. We're not going anywhere, and I don't. I don't necessarily want people to see the inside of my house. I don't. You know what I mean? So I've been posting less, and by posting less, we're getting more interaction and more likes than when I do it more frequently. That's amazing. I, if I were you, I would keep that. I would keep that uh, frequency up once we're past this, just to see if that maintains. Because right now, with, with the quarantine going on, we've seen a spike in all of our organic uh, across the board. And it's because people are just on social more. There's right. nothing to do. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely, I'd continue that on after this is done. And if you see that maintain, then it's not necessarily a question of it was quarantine. There's, there's a greater number of folks online engaging. It's, oh, you know posting less is going to get me more organic reach. You know, to, your, to your point on the delivery of the posts and right now more people are engaged because of being home and with less to do. Do you see that the delivery is, is it be, I mean, I personally am on myself. I think it said my, you know how it tells you how many hours you're on your cell phone. I think mine said up 25 hours the other day. I swear I'm on it so much now. So like is, <laughs> Does that play a role? Or is, is there a difference when Facebook is feeding um, organic posts, whether if, if it knows you're on a mobile device as opposed to um, those who are just checking it out on the computer? And I just wonder if that plays a role in frequency. So I don't know. I couldn't speak to the difference in frequency between desktop and mobile. I will say that in, in doing anything social, uh, when you look at your audience, and this has been true of every role that I've been in and every uh, team that I've consulted with, uh, the audience consumes digital through mobile uh, most of all. So if you're not designing and you're not optimizing, strategizing for mobile, you're not doing it right. I've hardly been on my, my, la my laptop or my desktop computer at all. I, I do all my social media on, including posting on my phone. It, you know, ads or Facebook is, Facebook is driving me insane though. About two weeks ago, I clicked on an ad for a wig. I don't know why I was bored out of my mind. I, I don't want to watch TV anymore. I don't. No, hold on, hold on. Do we need to stop? <laughs> when she said for a wig, her eyes left what her monitor was looking at you and looked dead at me when she said that. Thanks. Because there's this woman that I follow on Instagram who has the most gorgeous hair on the planet. And then one day I found out that she wears wigs. So I, I just clicked on this wig. I swear now, every other post on Facebook for weeks oh. has been wigs. 
And if I click irrelevant, stop it, leave me alone, die, whatever, whatever I'm clicking, <laughs> it won't stop. Retargeting is a hell of a drug. Retargeting is a hell of a drug. I'm telling you what, Facebook is earning its money right now with my little wig post. I'm not clicking on anything ever again <laughs> no. as long as I live. Not doing it. What about hashtags? Hashtags on Facebook, are they working for you? Us? I, I <laughs> sounded like a Seinfeld setup. <laughs> What's the deal with hashtags? Airplane food. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you, Jason, Rich. I can't stand hashtags on Facebook. Uh, I know Facebook tries to swear by them, and every other meeting I'm in with our Facebook partners, they're talking about the value of hashtags and and organic search on Facebook. I think organic search is a huge deal, is a huge component of Facebook internationally. Um, but in, in the U.S., Google owns the game. Explain to our audience what, what organic search on Facebook means. So organic search on Facebook, when you have, if you're sitting at home and you have a question on something or you want to search a product, uh, you go to Google. You don't go to Facebook. If you're sitting on Twitter and you are you know, watching a TV show and you're trying to live tweet like Game of Thrones, I'm a huge Westworld fan, you know, live tweeting Westworld, uh, you use hashtags to organically follow the conversation that in and of itself is is a exercise of search the international community doesn't use google the way that we use google they a lot of them use facebook uh to search uh, the things that we would search on google so that's yeah that's that's organic search on facebook we don't really use hashtags on facebook we use them on instagram but not so much on facebook at, uh, HBO just got a big shout out from you, uh, Warner Media. So I'm not sure if we should cut that part of the podcast. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Oh no, huge fan, huge fan. <laughs> Last week I sang, "Today is Tuesday." You know what that? Do you know the song? Yeah. You know what that means? Have a special guest, yeah. Special guest. And we still are paying for the rights to that. So. <laughs> oh no. What? When I was. 10 years old, I was nine years old in New York City. I lived in, I lived in New Jersey. In New York City, we had the uh, New York World's Fair, 64 World's Fair. And I remember distinctly being there with my parents and watching Walt Disney and seven kids from each one of the continents pour water into the It's a Small World track. Yeah, yeah. And then riding that ride with my mother and father. And um, that's my little, that's my little Disney throw out for you there, Matt. Rich, you were there too, right? The World's Fair? Yeah. And, and, and from what I heard is that continuity. Now when they open up a ride like that someplace else, they get water out of the original place and go. So in okay. essence, every ride that uses water is part of the world. Is that true? You take the water with them, right? Did you just make that up, Rich? Is that real? No. Wow. Matt, can you help me on that one? But yeah, it's a, exactly. I was told by some people at Disney told me that. Wow. I, I have I have heard I have heard that story. Um, and shame on me. I my building is right next to Imagineering, and I haven't gone over and asked anybody. Uh, but I will definitely follow up and and get you that answer. I have I have heard the story though. I have heard the story. I feel like I that's mean, a whole other podcast. Disney stories like when you like, tell it, you know, you know people kind of like. You know, business people now, we tell it, you know, we're in front of a, and I'll say, you know, what I was told, and, and you see, you see grown men and women, their jaws drop, like, wow, that's so cool, you know. I can't walk down, I can't walk down Main Street without crying. Because what? I cannot walk down Main Street without getting tears in my eyes. I Disney has such like a mystique culture to it and everything. Like when with everything shut down, what are you doing through social media? Like how do you keep that culture, the the community going? What what is Disney doing about that? Yeah, so it was it's it's really been difficult because when when I think back to difficult times, I, I use the theme parks and, and the Disney brand the same way that everyone else does, kind of like a coping mechanism. Like, yeah, the world's burning, but at least I have this. Um, you know, it was true on 9-11, or right after 9-11, uh, 
uh, when the stock market crashed, whenever there's an issue, this is the first time in our history where these places uh, that are a symbol of joy for so many have, have closed their doors. Um, same with same with the the movies. So it took it took a few weeks. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It took a few weeks for us as a collective to try to figure out what is our role here. Um, you have you know tons of meetings with some of the uh, the biggest the biggest folks in the uh, in the company, the public relations teams, public affairs teams, and we've kind of separated it out by division. So for the for the e-commerce arm for Shop Disney, for example, there's there's not a lot that we're doing right now in terms of of preserving that magic because that was never really our story to tell. Um, we're now being placed in a position where we've got to start telling that story. So there's some things that I've been working on for the past couple of weeks uh, that we're going to start pushing out uh, as early as this week. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get in on the the film watching parties. And, and start going and, and live tweeting uh, classic Disney movies. So the, uh, the parks have done a great job with uh, Disney magic moments. And the company as a whole, that's, that's a, a hashtag and a, a, an initiative that everyone's kind of rallied around where they're sharing stories of what cast members are doing uh, while in quarantine, you know, there I saw a tweet uh, last week. There was a uh, a cast member from Disney's Animal Kingdom who set up the Kilimanjaro Safari ride in her living room and and kitchen, and basically did the entire tour uh, for everybody. There's uh, I know the the folks at Animal Kingdom are also uh, you know telling stories on on what they're doing to to get the animals through things. Uh, Josh Tamaro, who's the president of Walt Disney World, has been sharing stories. Everyone is is trying to do their part. I'm sorry? You're doing all this on Facebook? Uh, it's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's on Twitter. Uh, they've done a really good job trying to uh, trying to get the message out and make sure that the message fits across all platforms, which I think in, in times like this where you don't have a lot of time to produce individual messages for the individual platforms, which is very important. Right. Uh, but if you don't have the time to do it, really taking time to craft a, a singular message that, that speaks across all three is, is your best bet. And they've done a tremendous job doing that. They had to sing along with Dis at Disney mm -hmm. sing along deal this, this past week. Yeah. I mean, I had a friend of mine was over here watching it along with us. And a friend, you know, I, I look at a, I look at a grown guy's got tears coming down his eyes because. Wait, wait, wait. You're was, no, let me talk here, George. This is, this is, let me talk. It's gonna be another thirty years before you see me. Here, the thing is, I had company in the house, and a lot of them had tears in their eyes when they were, you know, when you dream upon a star, you know, that was really kind of cool. And I, and I just thought to myself, my neighbor said to me, as he was leaving, he turned around and said, no matter what, there's still Disney. And I thought that was really cool for him to say that, because we were talking about all the shit that's going on. And, and then he goes, no matter what, we still have Disney. Think about that. I'm going to have to change our parental advisory on this podcast, Rich. <laughs> What I do? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a little bit of a of a World War II buff, and um, Walt Disney. I remember uh, just from reading, uh, lent his studios to the American government during during World War II uh, to help create the. Um, I mean, we say propaganda. Propaganda is not really negative. It, it can be negative, it can be positive. I guess depending on who you are, but to run films on what was going on um, overseas and things like that, to run uh, on the reels before films and things like that, which I always thought was pretty cool. Because I mean, I don't know. I guess that was. I'm trying to think. Is that the last major global event that impacted the entire globe that like this is impacting right now? And I mean, I'm, I'm imagining the reaction on social media would be <laughs> probably big back then. Uh, I'd probably have to figure out how you were going to maintain an audience and keep them happy during a global crisis. Um, I don't know why that just popped into my head. Oh, that's a great example. 
Well, you know, it's, it's funny you brought, brought up World War II and, and Rich bringing up the, the sing-along. Uh, John Stamos and his family was part of that sing-along. And I didn't know this. This is my fun fact for the day. Uh, but Stamos tweeted out uh, when it was going on, hope everyone is enjoying the Disney family sing-along. I picked It's a Small World for a very specific reason. Unfortunately, there wasn't enough time for my explanation, but please read this when you get a chance. It's a Small World was written as a prayer for peace at the height of the Cold War, but is so poignant today. It describes the universal emotions that we all share, laughter, tears, hope, and fears, assuring us that even though we are divided by geography, language, and culture, the same desires to keep our families safe and healthy bring us together. These qualities represent our best world. And I... Wow. Right? I, I just... I have goosebumps. There's... it much better than I could have. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, the the legacy that this company uh, carries and the feelings that it instills and the hope that, that it provides, it's, it's not lost on me. It's not lost on anybody that, that works for the company. And that's why I love working for it as much as I do. The people that are here today are, are the folks that believe in the mission and the vision uh, that Walt set out uh, to do all those years ago. And it's, uh, it's an incredible, tremendous honor and in times like this, even when uh, we're not able to, to provide that joy and that hope in, a, in our regular capacity, uh, the fact that we, we try every single day uh, to come up with a new way to say it's okay um, is, is inspiring, personally inspiring uh, to me. It's every day come up with a new way to say it's okay. Wow. Yeah. That's good. That's today's t-shirt. You got to tweet that now. What what did you say? Oh, today's. I got it. Matt, is there anything else that that retailers should know about social media during COVID nineteen? Anything that comes to the top of your head? Yeah. Uh... Above all, show compassion. Um, I know there are a lot of folks out there. You, know, you guys made an excellent point that, that people are thinking with uh, thinking economy first and thinking what's in their wallet and what's going to be in their wallet tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Uh, that, that is in and of itself a very short-sighted decision. Uh, I think you know, some of the leaders uh, here in, in California and, and even – uh, at, at Disney with, with the parks, like, obviously we want to be open. Obviously we want to be making money. That's, that's what a capitalist uh, society is. You know, if, if you're not doing it, it's, it's not happening, but you, you need to set that aside for a second. And, and that's, I'm applauding uh, both our leadership and in government and, and at Disney for, for doing the right thing and saying, Hey, listen, yeah, we're not making money right now, but it's, it's not about money right now. Uh, so uh, to those small business owners, understand that it's, it's not just you in this fight. It's, it's all of us. We're all in it together. Uh, be there for, you have a, a very unique opportunity to be there for people, uh, instead of yourself. And if you practice that, feel like if you practice that understanding and that sympathy, it's going to end up carrying you through and you're ultimately going to be stronger because people are going to remember that when this is over. Yeah. People aren't going to remember the bottom line. People aren't going to remember the first people to open. People will, will remember how you made them feel and the decisions that you made with them in mind well after this is done. Great point. I'm going to stay on that point. You said make sure that we show compassion. You know, I, there, are, there are people out there doing things that are amazing. Um, have you heard about 17-year-old young man found a need and he filled it. He started Zoomers to Boomers. He assembled a team of young people generation from Generation Z in this community and started delivering groceries to the neighbors who were elderly or compromised. Right now it's in 12 cities across the U.S. and I love their tagline. You can reimburse us for your groceries at the time of delivery by Venmo, check, or cash, but no delivery fee or tips are necessary. We're happy to help. It's about serving. I love that. 
Absolutely. 17-year-old guy. How about the all-in challenge? Rich, you're going to be all over this. So the all-in challenge is powered by the sports retailer Fanatics. Fanatics operates 30, 300 online global and brick and mortar online and brick and mortar stores across the globe. So they created the all-in challenge and it's an online sweepstakes and auction to raise money to provide food for those in need, kids, elderly, and frontline people. So it's really easy. You can either bid on an auction or you can buy chances to win the sweepstakes. So 10 bucks gets you 10 entries, 50 gets you 100, 100 gets you 200. So one of them is golf at Pebble Beach with Justin Timberlake and Bill Murray. Oh my God. I know. A match. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. So <laughs> Bill Murray. Golf with Bill Murray. If the gopher steals the ball. <laughs> oh my God. He's got a he's got a restaurant here that's a Bill Murray golf thing. It's kind of cool. Um his brother runs it. Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds have a huge fake war going on. But they have put their famous fake fight aside. And if you win theirs, they will come to your house and run your kid's lemonade stand. <laughs> okay. And Kai's, this is the one that you'll be, you're going to be putting your entries in like crazy. You can get a walk-on role in a Scorsese film with Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're going to play the dead body. <laughs> I'll be the guy in the trunk. Walk-on. That would be a roll-on, wouldn't it? Yeah. They've raised fourteen million three hundred forty-seven thousand fifty bucks so far. Good for them. Incredible. Send me the link. And uh, the last one I'll share before we wrap up: Midnight Marketplace in Jersey City um, is a area with a lot of restaurants. So they put together a takeout flash mob. They want to give local restaurants a boost of business in hard times. So they had a, they put a list on their website of all the restaurants you could order from. They had midnight market specials and discounts. You chose the restaurant. You could pick it up where you could have it delivered. And every couple times a week, they have a shelter-in-place um, live DJ streams. And I love this, a midnight market kit where they give you cocktail recipes, takeout information, and all kinds of cool things. So we are resilient. We are thinking of new ways to connect with people, to stay connected, to be compassionate. A lot going on. That's amazing. Now, when you look at the, the innovation that's coming out of this time, like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's, it's been hard. Uh, but to look at people, take what they have and pivot, adjust, and create something new, it's, it's incredible, and it's a testament to, to the ideals and the foundation that this country was, was created on, is you know, if you don't like it, change it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's amazing. If you don't, oh. like it, change it. Rich and I. Um... A really good, that's a really good mantra for people who have had stores who don't know what to do, and it wasn't great before this thing happened, and now they're really worried about it, is that complete reinvention. Look around and see what people do, because whatever you could do, it doesn't even have to make sense. You do it, and you're gonna find it. You're learning like crazy. Exactly. So we, traditionally, um, Rich and I were, were live, kind of, you know, keynote presenters. Rich loves a video. Rich loves himself on video, I can't stand it. So we have been doing weekly webinars for retailers using Zoom and talking about the things that are happening in the retail world right now. We share some information and at the end, we share the best of the week in um, social media posts and email blasts. Jason has brought us into the, into the 21st century with podcasts. Go Jason. I just gotta figure out how to do it. Now, you're, Jason, you're going to have to show me how the, the filters on Zoom work. Apparently, there's a filter you use. A little bit better. People can't see it right now, but I'm in a burning room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my kitchen. So you want to you bring us home? There you are. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah let's let's wrap it up on some good news some some uh i think that that you know having so much positive come out of something so terrible you know there's always that silver lining and i think that's you know how we get through it right i mean you you have to i mean being in new york i mean we did it with 9 11 uh you know we're doing it again now jersey strong new york strong world strong we're all in it together so uh, it's been it's been great having these podcasts. It's kind of been therapeutic for me, so I hope it's been therapeutic for our, our listeners too. Um, you know, don't forget we have the Retail Adventures blog, uh, retailadventuresblog.com. Uh, watch for the Retail Adventures webinar that Georgian just mentioned. Find it on Facebook as well, um, and that's just Facebook Kaiser and Bender A N D, correct? Yep. Yeah, put you on the spot there. <laughs> And uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Deezer, which I'd never heard of, but now I'm very familiar with, um, and a bunch of other places that you can find this podcast. So please go on, subscribe, like us, put as many stars as you can, and reach out to us, send us an email, and, uh, and let us know what you think and what you want us to talk about. And, uh, and maybe we'll... Uh, we'll answer your question or maybe we won't <laughs> i think that's the fun and excitement of live uh, live broadcast so thanks again for joining us i'm jason baum Man, it's been an honor thank you thank you for your time and matt thanks. yeah thanks so much for joining us this week it's been great as a as one of the hosts it is my duty to thank you and i completely messed up so rich thank you <laughs> no, thank you. Yes, I, I had so much fun uh, catching up with you all and Jason, getting to meet you. Uh, stay strong out there. And Rich, Jordan, again, congratulations on, on 30 years. That is the month. Cheers to 30 years. All right. And on that note, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Take care. Bye, everybody.